0: I'm Peter Alakawi, and welcome to Life School, the podcast. Each episode, I'll be chatting openly and honestly with a different guest about a whole host of purposeful topics. From personal success and failure stories, to relationship advice, tips and tricks for entrepreneurs, to professional and practical guidance on living a more fulfilled and happy life. I'll be speaking to men and women from all walks of life, all with unique experiences they want to share in the hope of inspiring you. I hope throughout this series you can take away some valuable nuggets of wisdom to help you navigate through life's many twists, turns, and lessons. Here at Life School, we are all about the business of learning. So let's get on with the show. And remember, everything you go through grows you. In this episode of Life School, I have the pleasure of speaking with founder and managing director of Fox and Hound Communications, Chloe Ragg. As well as being at the helm of her own creative agency, Chloe is also mum to her two beautiful children, Hudson who's three and Henley who's just five weeks old. I've been lucky enough to work with Chloe over the past few years and she has really supported me throughout my entrepreneurial journey and taught me so much. Today I'm going to be speaking with Chloe about her battle with cancer, how she juggles motherhood and running her own business and her advice for aspiring entrepreneurs. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at LifeSchoolME, for behind the scenes footage and further information on some of the topics we discussed today. Now let's bring on Chloe. Enjoy. Chloe, welcome huh? to Life School. <laughs> Thank you for speaking with me today. No Probably. Considering you just had your second baby. Yeah. About what, a month ago? Five weeks. Oh my God. Yeah. You look amazing. Feels like yesterday. Second time round, though, right? So. A lot easier.
1: The second time round's been a lot easier for us because the first time I had an emergency C-section, yeah. and birth was really horrific, and had a few problems afterwards. And I just first-time mum didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, um, everything's brand new this time round. Planned C-section. We bought every device and contraption possible to help us. You are and very organised. So that doesn't surprise yeah, me. <laughs> very organised. Uh, all family here to help, so it's been easy. Today was today was my first solo day with both kids
0: and you're here so you survived just (laughs) okay so let's get started um so you are the founder of fox and hound communications which is a pr social media and digital marketing agency here in dubai um had you always wanted your own business and how did you come to create fox and hound um you know what i never set out in
1: my career to own my own business i started in radio um in after I left school, I went to uni. I tried to go to uni, I didn't actually finish uni, much to my parents' dismay. Um, what happened? I was doing, I went for about two weeks full time, as in like as a student on campus. Actually, might have been a semester, it was a very long time ago. Um, and about honestly, about two or three weeks into that semester. I got offered a job at the local radio station. I'd actually applied for work experience and they came back to me and said, we've got a job as a coordinator for radio promotions, which is essentially um, all the events and all the fun stuff you hear on air is coordinated by someone um, behind the scenes. So at the time I was thinking, oh, do I I keep going to uni and and stick this out or do I take the job and do uni externally? So I took the job and did uni part-time. I did that for a couple of years, which was fine. I did sort of probably half of, or more three-quarters of my degree. Anyway, at the radio station, I was doing um, promotions, publicity. I was doing their social media. I was doing all sorts of different things. It was a really cool job. Um, one of the questions that I had in an exam at uni in marketing was, what does WWW stand for? And I remember thinking... Oh my gosh! Like, I'm—is this why I'm here? Is, like, am I am I actually learning this? <laughs> yeah. This is mortifying. Um, I've just paid however many thousands, tens of thousands of dollars for this degree. That just—I got asked that question. Yeah. And I thought I'm learning so much more outside of uni. Yeah. Um, and I have a really nice career in radio. And by that stage, I'd moved from Toowoomba to Brisbane. This is in Queensland, my hometown. So from a, a town to a city and to another city, and I've been with all these different radio stations. And I just thought. This isn't for me. I'll put yeah. it on hold for a while and so I put it on ice and then I just, I have not been back. I've paid my yeah, uni never. debt though, so. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I know. A lot of people do not get around to that so quickly. My, it's probably the most pointless money yeah. that I've ever spent. Amazing. So, anyway, um, so that's essentially, didn't start out wanting my own business. Uh, I moved to the UAE in 2012, worked for radio stations here. So I got brought over by Golf News Broadcasting, which is now defunct, but it was Radio 1 and Radio okay, so 2. So you here. came over here
0: with, with a job? They
1: brought me over. I came over for an interview, went back to Australia. They offered me the job, flew me over. This so was back in the rest of Dubai days. Um, <laughs> and that was great. Uh, did about three years there and then I went and worked for a publishing house here and it was at that time where I was meeting all of these different clients um, lots of small business owners essentially and one of their biggest problems was that they weren't able to find an agency that didn't charge a fortune for the services or they couldn't find someone to bring in house that wouldn't cost them a really yeah. large salary and you have to
0: do the visa and the everything but and they might have everything. only
1: been specialized in one arm which might have been marketing or it yeah. might have been um, social media and they needed someone that could sort of do across both and because I'd worked across so many different facets of an organization in radio in terms of marketing um, publicity promotions events um, social media not so much digital but at the time but social media that I thought you know why I can actually do this and I had local experience so I said to my partner, "This is what I want to do." He was my boyfriend at the time. He's now my husband. Um, this is what I want to do. Would you know? What do you think? And he basically he said to me, "You've got. I'll give you a year yeah. of support. If it doesn't work out at the end of the year, then um, you can, you know, no harm loss. You can either go back to work or we can work mm-hmm. on something else." So that was in two thousand and fifteen or sixteen. Fifteen. Um, I resigned from my job. And I left and started freelancing or consulting, and we are now in 2019, and yeah, a lot's changed in that time, um, in terms of what my work landscape looks like, as well as my yeah. family and home landscape. So at the time... Well, I guess the
0: market's changed as well, hasn't as it? Well so as well as like it's... go with it, yeah, and yeah,
1: It's crazy. Um, everything's yeah, a lot different now.
0: Were you scared, or were you very certain in your mind, no, this is what I'm going to do? Um... I knew what
1: I wanted to do I knew how I wanted to do it but I had zero savings at the time yeah. I was just I'd lived this to Dubai life obviously when you come over and the
0: brunches for me
1: it was a travel so obviously uh, in Australia and yeah. I'd, I'd probably I'd been to Bali and Thailand and all of the places that were just you know tick boxes for any yeah. Australian um I moved here and it was just so eye-opening being in this part of the world that I'd gone on all these holidays and not just like outrageous holidays but I traveled so much in the first few years that I lived here that um that was where my savings went and to be honest I'm so glad I did because well that is not money
0: wasted it's not money wasted
1: and I have so many more experiences and and things to talk about when I'm interacting with people and it's easy now to find common ground Mm. with a lot of people if they've traveled to the same countries and, and things like that so the only worry was the financial was, aspect you know I didn't have a lot of savings um and I had to make it work I had to I had to be making an income from it because I couldn't rely on Hugh mm. forever and if I did get complacent and rely on him then you know where does yeah. that leave
0: you in business so that, well, was, also, that was what I was scared about it comes back to you because when you started out you didn't have a team right so no. it's like if I don't get up and do this well no, that's the thing there's I mean, no one else to do it so. it's all well and
1: good you know I remember the first day the first Sunday I didn't work and thinking, oh,
0: this is well, nice. what do
1: I do today? <laughs> and then I was like, no, you know, you need to work. And I yeah. set myself up a desk and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I personally found it quite hard at the start to be motivated because I'm such a person like I love chatting to people. Yeah. My favourite part of the day when I was working was going for a coffee and seeing everyone yeah, and having that, sort that sort of not camaraderie doing any of, of your team. Yeah. And, yeah, so that was you know, suddenly finding myself by myself yeah. was really hard. So I actually ended up finding so many different cafes and places that had strong Wi-Fi that I could work from so that even if I wasn't speaking to someone, I could see yeah, people. Yeah, you feel like you have a bit of
0: an atmosphere <laughs> yeah. around so you. so that was, that and, was the um, first part. How did you manage, because I feel like when you make a big decision like that, whether it's changing jobs or leaving a job to set up your own business, how do you decide who you're going to speak to? Because you want to speak to people and get advice, but then there's also a lot of people out there that will sort of scaremonger and go, oh, yeah. what, really? You're going to do that? How, do you, how did you manage that? Did you tell a lot of people? Mm-hmm. Did you sort of have a couple of people you knew you wanted to seek advice from? How did you do it?
1: I looked, for me, um, a lot of it was about looking abroad. I looked at women in similar industries that had done it on their own. Um, I find that looking towards massive corporations that have women at the helm wasn't really something that... I could look and aspire to it because these women were in a corporate role they'd work their way up yeah. a ladder and they didn't you know at the end of the day someone was paying their salary and that was the responsibility yeah. of the company whereas the women that I looked up to were women that had started it. At, you know, at the ground level on their own and they had built a business that way. Mm-hmm. They'd failed, um, they'd opened new ones, they'd done all these different things to get where they'd got to but they were inspirational in that that sense. Emma Isaacs is an, um, one of the ladies I looked up to. She has a company called Business Chicks, um, an organisation called Business yeah. Chicks, so global now. Um, a lady by the name of Roxy Jasenko, she owns a PR agency, in Australia was another one. And then a couple of girlfriends back home that had just gone and done it on their yeah. own as well. and that So was... understood
0: what you were going through.
1: And they were more at my level, as in they'd, they'd just started out. Yeah. But they were probably six months to a year ahead of me. And that was cool because I was like, that's awesome. It's being done by someone I know. Yeah, you
0: can learn from their mistakes. Yeah, almost. and then there were
1: obviously all the aspirational people that had been doing it for 10 yeah. years and you know, were killing it at their game. So obviously that was sort of a mix of people that were more at my level starting out and then a mix of people that had been doing it for so long but yeah that's it was I've, I've read about them I remember <laughs> researching a couple of these women and getting so deep into google pages like four five six pages along reading articles about them yeah. that have been written by like pop sugar or cosmo yeah. or you know a, a national paper five years ago yeah. on them and it was just little things it was like how do you start your morning and they you know they were like I'm up at 5:30 to go to the gym before my kids this this yeah. and this and I was just like ah it's a bit overwhelming but at the same time I've I was reading about these women and what they did you know to to build their yeah. business from so long ago and that it's not something you can learn from a textbook it's people that have been doing it in a real life situation yeah. and I took a lot of that on board um did I practice a lot of it you know? got to figure out what works for you, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know,
0: if you can pull a few things from each person, exactly, it yeah. works. So. Nice. Um, can you take us back to when you first found out you had cancer mm. and how that impacted your whole life?
1: Yeah. So, as I was saying before, there's been a lot that's happened since the day I decided to quit my business. And today, um, I was it was years and years ago I was traveling and I was going to Coachella Music Festival in America and I was on the plane and I found a lump in sort of in the up, upper part of my soft palate like the roof roof of, of my mouth. mouth yeah and i I'd been sick i had been physically sick actually and I remember thinking oh maybe it's just something that's a bit swollen from that like it's inflamed or whatever went to Coachella did like a three-week trip of the states had the best time this was 2013 and came home booked myself into seeing ENT here and he tested it did all the right tests and said that's nothing it's a it's a benign tumor um, and it shouldn't turn to cancer I was like okay that's fine as long as the doctor says it's benign I probably should have got a second opinion. And can I opinion. just ask
0: when you were on that trip mm-hmm. had you felt had you felt funny no Did no, no felt, at this you st- were fine this
1: was yeah this was 2013 so okay. at this stage I was completely fine um super healthy single happy all of the mm. words um f- that doctor had said to me if anything ever changes if you feel anything different if you start to feel really weak or tired you need to come back or see someone else so just before I got married we in we got married in Sri Lanka we had a big wedding party in Sri Lanka actually we'd been married for about a year before that but we had this amazing wedding um about two weeks before that I thought I'd burnt my mouth on some food and there sort of seemed to be like a little bit of skin hanging down from the lump
0: you know when you burn your mouth yeah but, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I have to try and explain it to people but that's the yeah no I've, I've
0: done that before yeah and it kind yeah. of feels like a loose a little look, bit like of a skin, yeah, skin. Yeah, yeah yeah
1: anyway um I thought oh it's not going away I'll go to the doctor I went to the doctor and he had a different one and he said oh I think that's a basically a human papilloma um they tend to grow but we need to just check it because if it is Mm. you'll need to get that lump removed because it's while the human papilloma isn't cancerous it is a sign that something Mm. can turn nasty down the track so I was like okay that's fine at least it's not cancer whatever um they took a, a sample sent it away and then. Basically, I went to Sri Lanka with all my family, 120 of our friends, and I got a call the day before our wedding um, from the doctor here just saying, look, you should probably come in when you get back. The results haven't come back exactly how we thought they were going to. And I was like, can you explain more on the phone? And he's just said, look, I think this is probably a conversation we need to have in person. Anyway, so it was the day before my wedding. So got married. We moved our flights earlier to come back to Dubai. So we left the day after. The wedding. Did you put it out
0: of your mind or did you feel like it overshadowed? Uh, No, no, not at all. I didn't
1: tell anyone. So I told my husband, but we didn't tell my family or anything because I didn't want it to wreck anyone else's day either because my mum and dad would have been so worried. Um, I kind of, in my mind, I was kind of just like, just forget. Like, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Like, quite good at shutting off that kind of stuff. So it was not too bad. And I knew that we were going home like a day or two later. Um, went home and he said basically they tested the the little bit of skin and they accidentally took some cells from the tumor which in My mind means they probably should have taken more but they didn't take enough and anyway He said they've come back suspicious. So it's not looking great Um, the tumors looking like it could be cancer anyway my mum and dad were here with us and they just said, you need to go, you need to go home and get this looked at um, mm. immediately. So I flew with my parents pretty much the next day back to Australia.
0: Was that because there's no doctors here that specialised in that particular it area was, or you just wanted to be home because it's such a massive um, deal?
1: Yeah, I think it was a combination of the fact that it took 10 days for them to send a sample to Germany to be tested and come back. Um, my parents, who were obviously, you know, come home, come home. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I had my, my son, Hudson, he was only six months old at the time. So I kind of, I needed a little bit of help yeah. and it was just all these things. and I thought, you know what, I'll just go home. We ended up getting into a specialist in Australia who within 24 hours had tested and called me. And I'll never forget, it, I was in a car park with, in the mall or shopping centre at home with my mum. And we'd been shopping for a while and we we're just waiting for the phone call. And he called as I was hopping into the car and, and he just said, look, I've got some bad news. It's cancer. You've got cancer of the salivary glands. The tumor is, a, is what's called a mucoepidoid carcinoma. Um, and I, was, I remember sitting in the back of the car and I was like, okay, okay, um, great, fantastic. And my mom was looking at me as if, great, you don't have cancer. And, and I just said, what stage is it? And that's when I just looked at my mom was like, oh, um, and he just said, We've caught it quite early. Um, you know, you've you're lucky because this one is early and good, late, and it's it's fatal. It's yeah. there's sort of not really too many stages with this type of cancer. And then I started crying, obviously, because I was just like, Oh crap, um, it's not good. And he basically said to me, Look, I'm going to give you um, a positive chat, I guess. He said, If I was to choose having a cancer, I'd choose this one, um, because. The, once we remove the tumor, he said, there shouldn't be any need for you to have anything further and okay. it shouldn't come back. Anyway, so that was that. Was that. And then, if, like a week later, I was in hospital having the operation. It was a 10 hour operation. Um, oh they goodness. had to remove the tumor. And because it was in such a, a weird spot, being the soft palate of my mouth, and I have to take a centimeter margin all around it, um, they actually had to do quite an extensive operation. They took some of my jaw out. Um, back of my jaw, my tonsils and everything, which is fine. Um, And then they did a a skin graft from my
0: arm. Which is why you have the Which is why I've got all the mad scarring there.
1: To replace the skin in the top of my soft palate because there wasn't enough to stitch it back closed. Um, And then while they were doing the MRIs and everything beforehand, they noticed that a lot of my lymphatic system on this side was swollen. So they cut me open from here to here and removed from memory maybe 20 or 30 of my lymph nodes
0: There are hundreds, just to be safe just
1: to almost. be a to be safe but also they needed to test the ones that were swollen um there are hundreds in here um but they got rid of a few main ones out of here um anyway yeah same for quite a while in hospital um and all of the tests came back so the lymph nodes were fine and they'd removed as much as the of the cancer as they could um so it was all good um and i've I've obviously been having checkups regularly. I I flew back to Australia every eight weeks for the first year just to see my oncologist there. Um, They found another lump in my mouth in the same spot last July which was pretty scary because it came through on an MRI and it was in the exact same position where the cancer was and it was about the same size. You must have just
0: thought, oh, my God, here we go again. Yeah, I kind
1: of was like, well, my, my initial reaction was, I've got no more skin left. Yeah, what, what are you going to do? Like, how yeah. do you get rid of that? And they, they tried a few times to sort of test it through my nasal passage and they couldn't. And I ended up going under here. I found an amazing ENT in one of the hospitals and he said, look, I'm just going to go in and test it. And when he tested it, he went. I can take this out. So he took it out, and it yeah. turned out to just be some fatty tissue growing back in the scar, which was fine. Um, and then he said to me, you know, essentially, you're clear. This is your first year of year one. I won't go into remission for another couple of years. But remission I mean. is how many years? Four to five. And um, then after
0: that, you are officially all cancer free. Cancer free. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've still got a
1: couple of years left, or three three years left now. Um, but He was like, you can, you know, if you wanted to have another baby, you've probably got a nice window of, you know, we've taken it out. There's nothing right, you know, nothing wrong. So we decided to have another baby
0: then, and that's Henley, who's now five weeks old. And why we've now got Henley. But how, so you found out you had cancer, you've got a six-month-old baby and a new business because you'd already left your job at that point, right? You'd had your own thing going on. Yeah,
1: so I left my job in two thousand end of. Towards the end of 2015, yeah. I got pregnant two months later, which wasn't planned. Um, amazing now. I um, had the baby and then we were obviously, he was about six or seven, six or seven months old when I found out. And that, I mean, the hardest part for me was the fact that I spent so much time in hospital and my parents had to look after him, which yeah. they loved. Um, and my husband stayed in Dubai because he had and just started job. a new job yeah. as well. So it was... He came home for the operation, but for the most part of the yeah. months I spent in Australia, he was there. I had a few clients that kept me on, as in they just said, "Do what you can for us, and then when you come back, we'll keep going, which was amazing because that was a nice, steady bit of income yeah um, but I did the business took a huge hit in terms of clients. I remember I just signed a client here, a restaurant group that had eight locations at the time, and i have been working with them for two months, and it was amazing. it's an Australian um, Australian brand and I told them what had happened what gone back to Australia and I just said look this is what's happening um I'm not sure what position it's going to leave me in in terms of work and about two days later they came back to me and they just said look we've loved working with you but we really need someone on the ground here um and I remember just being so upset because I was like it took me so long to get that contract anyway they've got about 30 locations now in the UAE so um they they, obviously they've been doing well um but that was that was really tough There were in there were a couple of them it wasn't just one I probably had about six or seven clients at the time and I came back to Dubai with one or two and those two clients I've still got today um and that's just the way the cookie crumbles but I came back and I kind of was like all right had my time in Australia um you know I've had some nice time off with my son because I never had any maternity leave with him I just went straight back to work as soon as he was born so I had some nice time there um and one of my clients that I was working with had said to me we love doing what you you know we love working with you and we can see that you do a good job but you are understaffed and you need help so he actually he said I'll invest in your company and we'll get you starting in terms of an actual proper business with staff and bricks and mortar and and whatever Amazing. else and that was
0: and had you even thought about getting an investor previously is that something you you'd had on your mind no
1: because I just thought it was so hard to do like yeah. I just thought investors my gosh that's so scary like not the money side I've to of it but like why yeah, would anyone to... invest in me was yeah. more my you know my my mentality um yeah so when I when I found it was He's still, I still work with yeah. him, he's still on the sideline um, and he's just quite easygoing And you and know, he's always there for a chat and support. Yeah. And support. allowed
0: you to grow your yeah. business to the next He's got level. really successful
1: businesses, one of which is our client, so I mean there's a lot you can learn from him but at the same time he doesn't play an active role in my business so he lets me run it
0: exactly yeah. how I want to which is which is great. That must have just felt like a godsend after everything you've been through you must have just been like okay this is more like it whoever's upstairs this this is what we need now after it all of that. It was just so surreal I remember
1: when we worked out the initial plan in terms of what the investment would look like and and the structure and everything like that and I'd had the business account set up for yeah. um, a month or two prior to this so just everything fell into place and I, was, I went on holiday. We had a wedding and I went to Cyprus with my husband and my son and, and I was sitting on the beach in Cyprus. It was my husband's 30th birthday and the, I got the text message from the bank to say that the investment had been put in my oh, bank I love account. those text messages.
0: <laughs> money coming in, yes. And I
1: remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this is, this is like the most money I will ever see in a <laughs> bank account. It was in the work account, so it was obviously not my yeah, money, yeah. but I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is actually happening. Like it's happened. I've, yeah. I've taken investment in my company. This is it now. And you know what, a lot of people think investment is such a scary thing because it's someone else owning part of your business. But um, for me, it was, you know, why have 100% of $5 when I can have 50% of $100? And that was my mentality at the time. And if anything, it's made me better at business and better at growing um, this you know organization that I've yeah. tried to do because I would never have been able to do that I might have had one one or two staff members but it would have been such a slow scale yeah. that yeah it would have been I mean it would have been tricky doing it on my own to be honest
0: and how so how many operations did you have from that first initial massive 10-hour one to, to now. So I've had, I had the big one when they managed to do most of what they needed to do.
1: I've had obviously countless MRIs and scans yeah. since then. Um, and then I had another one last July um, just to remove the, the lump The one in that there was again. just a, the fatty cell yeah. one. I've actually, I must have, I must, it's weird. I must have like quite a lumpy body because I've had, um, when I was 18, I had quite a large lump taken out of my right breast, a fibroadenoma. Um, and... I'm sure there are more in here. Yeah, But
0: we'll find them. And for the, for the big operation, had you ever had any kind of operation before? Just the,
1: the one Just that, that I had one. here. Um, and I had the cesarean with Hudson. And that, but that was oh, yeah, like, before, it's not the it's same. It's um,
0: what, what would be your advice for anyone that's about to have a big operation, a big scary operation like that? Like, how did you mentally prepare for something like that?
1: Do you know what? I think with me it was that we didn't have a lot of time to prepare for it, and that was probably a good thing. Um, yeah. I had a week. They just said we'll book you in next Wednesday. Yeah. Um, they. The scariest part was when we were meeting the anesthesiologist and all of those, all the medical people that we need to talk to. And then I went and met my oncologist and the surgeon afterwards. And he just, I had to sign all the waivers. And one of the things that they ran me through was the fact that an operation of that length has quite a high mortality rate. Um, in terms of you know anything can happen when you when they've got your body assisted for that long long. so I had to sign a specific form that basically just said you understand that there is a high mortality rate and that anything can happen and do I sign my life away for a tracheotomy in case I I stop breathing and all this stuff
0: anyway these are like huge decisions that you have to make well I said I said to my oncologist I was like we're talking about the
1: skin graft and I just said is there another option instead of taking apart my arm and he just went well the other option's dying from cancer and he was so straight about it and I was oh. like excellent where do I sign yeah sign um, me up so that I mean that was pretty full-on in terms of prep if you know having to go through all of that kind of stuff the day before um, it was just my mum Hudson Hugh and myself and we went out to breakfast we went to the water park there's a water park in Brisbane um, and we we just did really nice things had a nice dinner had yeah. a glass of wine and then I had to start fasting from nine um I cried myself to sleep that night and I cried the entire night until I woke up well I didn't didn't actually sleep like how rack, would you like, be to sleep? I mean because yeah I just my biggest thought or you know thing that kept running through my mind was I've got a seven month old baby yeah. like I might never see him again and that was the worst part it was wasn't like you know, might have to chop my arm off or anything or like anything like that. I was just worried that I wouldn't get to see him. So that was, that was pretty full on. Um, and we got to got to hospital and it happened at 6am in the morning, which was also amazing because I didn't have a whole day to to wait the whole day. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I was so like, I just, I cried from the minute I woke up to the minute I got to hospital, even like, I'm not going to say I was strong about it because I was an absolute mess. Um, going to hospital got changed into the gown went through all of the process of yeah. getting there and then they said you know say goodbye to your husband and that was tough he left he cried once he got he was so strong and then what, he said once he got out of the room he just sat there and yeah because he wants
0: to be strong for you yeah but...
1: <laughs> I wouldn't even have noticed if it, like I was just so upset anyway got into the operating theater and they can see that I was an absolute wreck and they said to me um look, we're going to give you a sedative before we give you the anaesthetic. Because I thought they'd just give me the anaesthetic and I'd pass out. Yeah. And I said, okay, uh, sure. And he just said, look, it's like having a glass of wine. I was like, Jesus, you better give me <laughs> so many okay. more. Like, yeah. uh, it needs to be like at least two bottles. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sure enough, I, within like 20 seconds, I felt so drunk that I don't remember anything. And apparently I was awake for the 15 minutes that,
0: And you don't remember that at all. Which is really weird, but... So you're in this like woozy state and then they put you to sleep. Yeah, but I I remember, my last thing I remember feeling was, oh my God,
1: I feel so drunk. And then I woke up 10 hours later.
0: And what was it like when you woke up? I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm alive. Was that, your first, was that your first thought? I'm alive,
1: and I was so happy I was alive, and I was in so much pain, like everything, and I just had all these cords, and I was in an armchair, I think, it was just, it was my hospital bed, I can't remember, I actually can't remember, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was,
0: it, was, it was insane, but I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm alive, mm-hmm. this is amazing. And obviously, you were young, healthy, fit. So this isn't anything to do with your lifestyle or this this just happened. This is I asked totally random. What causes
1: the cancer. Like obviously no one really knows what causes cancer. It can be so many different things. Um and I just said, What causes this? And he said, Well have you smoked? And I said, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Um and he went, Well, you're just unlucky. So
0: So there's no rhyme or reason no to No rhyme or
1: reason. I'm not a passive smoker. Like that was just no no reason as to why I should have it um unfortunately
0: and I guess the the message to people is if you have anything that you're worried about just go and get it checked out even if you think it's really silly and it's nothing just go and get it checked out because you just never know I you know
1: I just like oh I I didn't know I would, you know, didn't know I had glandular fever until six months later. I'm like, how do you not feel your body is it's trying to tell you I something? Because people that's stop wrong.
0: listening.
1: Yeah, and or there's those people who don't know they're pregnant for five or six months. I'm like, it's actually impossible. Like, you yeah. just
0: You're just in denial. Yeah, I know.
1: Or you know, when people are chronically sick or yeah. they're chronically tired. For me I had no symptoms apart from the lump, but the minute I found it I was like, Oh, I should get that checked out. Yeah. That's not normal. The minute the little skin tag thing came back on it, I was like, I should get that checked out. That's not normal.
0: Yeah, so just the right thing 100%. to do. 100%. And
1: for a while after the operation, a couple of lymph glands in this side were really swollen to the point where you could touch them and feel a pea size. And they'd said to me, if anything swells up, come back.
0: Yeah.
1: So I kept going back and I kept asking them to test it. I kept getting scans, ultrasounds on them. I kept having MRIs and I'd even asked them to needle biopsy one of them and then, I mean the doctors must just think oh god go away we've told you it's not cancer but I kept asking yeah, until to. I'd had like four doctors rule out that it wasn't yeah. cancer and because that's the first place this cancer would spread would be to my lymphatic yeah. system um so I don't, I don't think you can be too pushy in terms of yeah, don't be shy advice, with these getting, things. And I always say when people have had something, they go, oh, I've just been told this by the doctor. I'm like, have you had a second opinion? Mm. I'm not saying that every doctor's wrong, but like, just keep getting opinions until you get all the facts and information yeah. and then make a decision. We're really lucky. We had amazing medical in Australia, and yeah. I found a really amazing surgeon
0: here. So, And think, thank God you just went. You
1: know, yeah. From
0: the minute you felt something, you went.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was partly mum, who was like, just Good go to Australia, go on the plane. <laughs> So, and I kind of was just like, okay, yeah, they're right, I need to go, so.
0: What's the most challenging thing about running your own business? Cash flow. When we don't
1: get paid by a client, it affects every... It has a knock-on
0: effect your Yeah, it for affects the people that we,
1: we have to pay. It affects myself. I don't pay myself a salary. When that happens, like, there's, there are so many things. Um, secondly, managing staff really tricky um I never managed anyone before I'd worked alongside people I might have had someone report to me on a project or something really simple but I never actually had your own
0: team yeah. never
1: had my own team um I had I was difficult to manage any of my bosses will tell you that like I and I look back now and I know that I was difficult to manage because I'm managing you know people that yeah. aren't as easy I mean they're not they're not hard to manage but I can see traits in a couple of people that I used to have as myself I would have been a complete (laughs) pain in the ass to manage um and I know that and I always ended up having these disagreements and fights with my boss because I just didn't see eye to eye to them was it did I think I was better no it's just I just didn't agree with the way they were working they were probably right in some cases I was probably right and that's just that's hard and I can see a lot of that coming through now so managing people's tricky
0: and it's a full-time job as well as all yeah. the work you do. and do you think it's almost harder here because it's so transient and people I feel like people's lives change very quickly here so you might meet someone tomorrow and they live in another country so then suddenly you're moving country very quickly or do you do you feel like that impacts it or it's just generally to be honest really I've found task? that well
1: yeah I mean we've I've had most of We've only had one staff member leave since I started and I've got eight. So um, Wow, that's yeah, impressive. We've had, I've had all of them since the day one. I'm so worried that some of them will leave. That's like, an amazing reflection on you
0: though. Um,
1: it's hard and I don't have you know unlimited funds to be able to do things like big days out here and nights out here and stuff like that. So when we're trying to motivate them to do good work and to – To like the agency and to stay, it's it's about finding ways that appeal to them probably as an individual. And I always try and remember what appealed to me and it was time off, Mm -hmm. um, extra holidays, money, um, and then obviously trying to to make a really relaxed and happy and friendly work environment. One that's not like you have to work until 10 and 2, job's done. I'm more about building flexible Hour, not flexible hours but a flexible environment
0: for for people yeah, but you very much lead by example i think because you do work like i'm always four out seven, getting <laughs> my nails done i <laughs> you're, you're always doing emails at well that's the thing like night. i
1: i might have something to do in the morning i might have something to do in the afternoon like hudson I needs mean, needles he you needs know, vaccination yeah. that takes three hours get home get him get there and then afterwards we have to get ice cream because he's still crying and then I get home and suddenly that's a big part of my day big gone. Chunk that
0: you've got to make up for
1: well that's the thing and I never hide the fact that I have to do that because
0: it's real life this it's real is, life yeah.
1: but I'll still if I have to I'll work at night um, or I'll get up early in the morning I don't know how it's going to go I go back to work tomorrow and um, so yeah I've been on my emails for a couple of weeks just from home though but I actually You're go easing
0: in. yourself in a little bit
1: go in tomorrow so I don't know how my morning will look whereas if I needed to do extra work and make up those hours somewhere I'd do it in the morning just because no one was awake but it's, it's yeah. two children now and one of them might be awake yeah so but at night time is probably
0: when it's gonna, it's happen. gonna be yeah. a, a juggling act yeah <laughs> but with your team do you feel like because I think if you feel valued and yeah. respected it makes you want to work harder yeah but then everyone has different ways that they feel valued and respected so do you have to kind of
1: everyone has different ways but everyone has different ways of working as yeah well. so you and need to treat to people as an individual right? puzzle pieces together
0: yeah
1: you know what I think a lot of when you manage someone it isn't just about managing their tasks like their daily to-do lists it's about you know working out what it is that drives them what
0: makes them tick
1: Else, yeah elsewhere yeah. I've got um you know girls that love like me love the flexibility or like they like the the ability to go and leave you know whenever they have and they know that they have to work on their holiday to get whatever they need to get done if they've got it done great they can go but they can have as much leave as they want yeah Um, you know that's the kind of flexible environment we want um but everyone's different in terms of what makes them work in an office environment and that's the hard part is because it's you can't please everyone no. with a cookie cutter mold so just trying to obviously understand how they all operate and put those puzzle pieces together in terms yeah. of what they want what they like what they don't like um, you know and then on top of that make sure they're doing their work
0: yeah <laughs> as well because that's important yeah So well you must be doing a good job if you've had the same team
1: yeah it's stressful I, I I know a lot about them now and I, I, I just don't ever know yeah. how to a situation where you have 50 or 60 staff and still have really personal relationships with everyone yeah. I, I, that would really stress me out because I need to know everyone's name and their kids yeah, and like, I their feel like boyfriends and all that kind maybe of stuff. then it's
0: about creating a culture rather than because yeah once you get to that level yeah. Even with all the will in the world, how can you know 100 people's names and their backstories 100%. and You know, everything?
1: ask me like three or four years ago what it would be like to leave my job and work by myself, I'd be like, oh, gosh, I don't know. That's such an unknown, you know. Scary. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, you ask those three years have gone, but, you know, what in the next three years, what if I did manage to scale up to 20 or 30 people? Yeah. Like that's my big unknown now is whether – we do that or I don't do that and you know still manage yeah. by a small team so I mean that's it's there's so many unknowns when you're in a business uh, running a business that I think you just take every day as it comes yeah and, you can you only know, predict walk, so much say yes and work the rest later yeah just it'll I like that it'll either happen or it won't happen yeah. you learn from your mistakes so all the cliches
0: in the world <laughs> How do you find the balance between being a business owner, a boss, a wife, and a mother? Not necessarily in that order of importance, by the way.
1: (laughs) Um, Tough. I mean, I could put all of my focus into being a mother. I could put all my focus into being the best wife possible. I could put all my focus into owning a business. The rest will fall apart. So I think it's, you know, I don't want to say I spread myself thin, but there are you know there are elements of my life that i wish i could do more for like i wish i could be at home with hudson and probably henley now as well a lot more but i know that at the end of the day i'm doing i'm working so that they have you know a better quality of life when they're little when they're older again i could put 150 more hours into work and that that would probably make it a lot better um but at the end of the day i just wouldn't see my family so there's it's just such a hard it's just juggling to be honest um and every day as it comes, I don't make plans for the next month because I know that'll change. Um, yeah, and I'm sure of, there's
0: probably some weeks where you feel like, this week I need to prioritise work because we've got a big pitch and a big event or whatever it might yeah. be. And then the following week you're like, now I'm going to spend some quality time with my kids or I'm going to have a date night with you. Or,
1: yeah, I mean, it's, it ebbs and flows. There's yeah. always, you know, trying to rob Peter to pay Paul, I think, in terms yeah. of how business <laughs> <love> works. <laughs>
0: like I'm taking a little bit. I feel like I've done that my whole life
1: <laughs> yeah to be honest that should be the business name yeah no it's um it's it's fine it's a struggle and a balance and a juggle are there things that have helped you yeah having a nanny <laughs> yeah. and Cherry is our um, our helper at home and without her in terms yeah. of the the fact that she runs a household um while we're out and I wouldn't have her if we're in Australia, I wouldn't have her if we're in another country, and I know that a lot of people don't have that help, and yeah. I honestly don't know how they do it. Like, I genuinely am, how do people work full-time, yeah. have kids, and try and do washing? At, like, at nighttime, I know it's done, my mum did it. And, yeah. you know, I, I could do it. It's just I wouldn't be a very pleasant person. Yeah. (laughs) To be honest, our nanny left us for about six months and not this nanny, our Mm -hmm. old nanny, and we thought, you know what, we can manage. We'll just put Hudson into nursery, put him into nursery full time. He was sick all the time. Um, He just, I mean, we'd get notes home saying he was biting kids and he'd never bitten anyone before. He was only 12. He was a year old. Um, The house was falling apart. I was still trying to work, but I was trying to put you know loads of laundry on and make sure he had a healthy lunch that didn't have anything with sugar in it the next day like there was it was just a really stressful time and I had staff coming at me from all angles for this and that was fine we found cherry and honestly if you can afford it or if you're in a position having help is amazing um it's not for everyone and even if it's only someone coming in for two hours to do your laundry or your ironing or to do the floors of the house. house like yeah any, any little bit helps you a bit of time back. I still do a lot of stuff around the house and still have two children that need to be
0: kept alive and a husband that's in the same boat. Yeah. But um, it's a lot easier. And amongst all of this, do you ever get time just for yourself?
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. I make time for myself. You do? Yeah. I'm pretty good at prioritizing that time. Yeah. Because I think that's really important honestly i don't know now with henley i haven't had a lot of time to myself the last five weeks yeah. just because she's a newborn and she needs a yeah, mom needs um, i think it's a lot easier with one child um in saying that fridays is really only ever my day where i've got mm. nothing i try and do nothing for work on a friday yeah. i really try hard i try not to open my laptop and then on That's saturday the thing yeah and then on well even my phone the whatsapp and my iWatch, and it, it, it finds everything Work it finds me yeah. Um, and then on Saturdays, obviously, I sort of float in and out of work. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think we'll try and stick to that as well in terms of having Friday as a, a day for... Purely just a family day, yeah. I'd like to... I've been thinking and toying with the idea of taking Thursday or Thursday afternoon off to mm. hang out with Hudson as well, um, just to do stuff with him on his own. Yeah. Um, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I Someone will put really a, an urgent meeting in for Thursday oh and gosh. I will go to it. <laughs> yeah, a team
0: meeting. Um, what would be your advice to anyone listening who is thinking about leaving their nine to five to set up their own business? About
1: two years ago, I would have been like, do it. (laughs) You can do it. Um, Which is probably still my first bit of advice. If you're passionate enough about doing it, definitely do it. Um, If you don't do it now, your competitors will do it before you, which is, you know, something to always think about. However, do it when it's the right time in your life I mean I wish I'd started earlier I wish I'd done five or six years I don't think in the last couple of jobs I had I don't think I learned a lot Mm. I think I'd got to a point where you know I knew I probably wanted to do something like this but and I wasn't furthering myself in my career I was just taking the next job yeah Um, so I think just comfortable I was comfortable if you're in that position that's probably where you you know you could leave your job um think about it Thoroughly, yeah. and Make sure you've got support in terms of if anything goes wrong. You know, you've got someone to to probably help you out a little bit. Um, it's again, not everyone has that person, but if you do, it makes you know the months where maybe a client doesn't pay you or you know something happens with the business or you've got unforeseen expenses, things like that. It makes that a little bit yeah. you know easier to wear. Um, otherwise, I would say go for it, I, I think. You can, only, you can only learn, mm. whether it fails and you learn or whether it's a success and you learn. Yeah, and you either you way, that's other a people, positive like, thing. You're going to learn something. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you can always get another job. Mm. Always go back to work, as in work yeah. for someone else. It's not you know, not a big deal. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it.
0: Okay, so we're going to do a quick fire round. Oh, yeah. Um, favorite quote?
1: Persistence beats resistance.
0: Oh, I like that. I haven't yep. heard that before, actually. So I don't know where I heard beats it. There's, resistance. N- there's
1: literally no story, but like keep knocking on that door until yeah. someone answers. Persistence beats resistance. I like that. I actually said that about finding my husband. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. um, he dumped me after about three months of being together and I knew I wanted to marry him. And I was like, persistence beats resistance. Yeah, like, I'm resistance. sorry, I'm
0: not taking no for an answer. And I remember
1: saying it to someone and they were like, you're a complete psycho. <laughs> I was like, I'll get him
0: in the end. It's like that song, Cute But A Psycho. Um, best piece of life advice you've ever been given
1: just to get up and go for it it's basically the the day I quit my job I'd been to a seminar that morning um with a really influential speaker and and she was basically just said if you don't do it today someone else will do yeah. it and they'll do it with a head start on you so just get up and go and that was I walked into my job and quit that afternoon Amazing. and then panicked yeah <laughs> and then write a business plan just do it and figure the rest out later <laughs> yeah
0: favorite tool or app for helping organize your life
1: i am a paper person so i'm still haven't crossed over to the app side mm. yet I, I barely even use the calendar in my outlook um
0: so you write everything down
1: People put things in my diary now, as Mm. in all my staff put their meetings and any photo shoots and anything we're doing in my diary. So I know what everyone's doing. And if I'm on one of those, I click accept and I know that I'm there. If I've got meetings, generally I'll ask someone to send me a meeting request for it. Um, I have a diary, like an actual leather. Old school. I know. (laughs) And my husband's like, you need to get digital, babe. And I'm like, oh.
0: Because I thought you'd give me some kind of like incredible app but you listen to really amazing podcasts and you read a lot. So I thought maybe you'd come across something that's like reinvented the way you organize your work life. I have I everything. I have
1: like Apple everything. Yeah. The so watch, The synched. phone, the head things, like everything. I yeah. have a Kindle. I listen to podcasts. I do all of that. I run and I track everything on an mm. app. Like I'm, I have tech around me. Um, but I there's not one thing that I have a paper diary. You,
0: paper diary. Yeah,
1: I actually find I, if I'm brainstorming or if i've got lists or things like that i actually find it's better written down for me and Mm. i still haven't found that app where i can type and sync and it'll you know i can look at it and it will remind me um i've lost diaries in the past i remember losing one about two years ago i left it in the back of an uber in in media city and
0: notes and stuff just it had
1: notes it had all my passwords and stupid stuff in it so i don't don't keep all my passwords in my diary i have an excel sheet that's got everything in it um but I can't give you any uh, advice on the best. Maybe someone
0: will give us some advice after listening I to this. I have downloaded
1: all of the apps and I just, nothing's functional enough for me. And that's probably, I can probably invent something now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is the next business
1: um, WhatsApp or email? Oh, gosh. Like a dirty question in our office. Um, we get hounded by clients on WhatsApp. Um, I've got a WhatsApp group for every client of the agency, pretty much. Yep. It has all of the staff on it. <laughs> Um, Which is really fun. Um, I think it it serves a purpose in terms of an immediate communication. But when a client, this is in a business sense, but when a client tries to take, you know, a little bit further and either make a complaint or do a brief on WhatsApp Mm. or tell you something really important, that's when when I would step in and go, can you please email this to us just so I can share it with the team or just so I can, you know, um, flag it as something I have to do today sharing a little bit of content or you know, uh, asking a client something as simple as what time you open during Ramadan, it can probably happen yeah. on WhatsApp. It's something that's unavoidable as well. WhatsApp is not going I away. I feel like
0: it's almost got to the point where y- if you don't want to have it, you need a work phone with it on yeah. because like, my first 10 WhatsApps are all just client groups, work-related. Like, There's only a few people I actually speak to like friends-wise via WhatsApp?
1: I tried having two phones, again, going that back. That sounds
0: hectic, though, as well.
1: So much tech around me. Yeah. I had two phones. I had two phones for about three years. Um it just became one phone because if yeah. one was flat or I didn't the other, then I read the other a message anyway. and they were like, oh, here's yeah. another number we can call Chloe on, and suddenly I have
0: two. And they can like, hound you anyway.
1: Clients calling on both numbers, and one wasn't personal and one wasn't work, or I'd you know confuse all my friends. it's, it's actually quite a funny saga. I've changed my number so many times over the past seven or eight years that yeah. everyone's like, "Which number do I call yeah, you on?" Yeah. And I just, yeah, delete. I've got like four numbers, <laughs> yeah, I know. and an Australian number when I was there. I've had all sorts yeah. of numbers, so I've got one phone number now, and it's it that's actually streamlined a lot of communication yeah. for me. And we're pretty good now with clients. We won't necessarily open client whatsapp chats on the weekend like we can see what it says and it's if it's something that can wait till sunday we'll leave it there to wait and we're pretty good at telling them that
0: that's how we operate yeah you got to set those boundaries haven't you from day one um oh they'll always be the ones that try and overstep the mark but um yeah with whatsapp now you can yeah you can never get away biggest pet peeve when it comes to business oh
1: gosh um clients that don't well, I'm talking in my terms because it's clients, um, but in general people that don't listen. So when you have to explain mm. something two or three times and then they come at you having not understand something that you've shared with yeah. them something that's taken you quite a long time to put together in a format that they will understand and they don't, they don't read it, they don't listen, they don't yeah. acknowledge it and then they come at you, you know, quite aggressively with why is this not working or, you know, why did you do this or what's happened here yeah um as I mentioned in my email or as we spoke about and then I find that in that situation I end up sounding awful I end up sounding like I'm condescending to them or you know as if I'm snarky because I I think you're really good I'm referencing I've seen you in situations
0: like this and I think you're really good at staying calm oh
1: there have been a couple of times lately where I've tried to stay calm but I've it's to the point where I'm like you need to read your emails better or yeah and just go back and read that yeah, and then please find attached <laughs> all references to that conversation as
0: mentioned in my previous and uh, on the phone emails. and in the meeting we had last
1: week <laughs> yeah. I've actually had to write a sentence that was as mentioned in the last two meetings and attached email and the phone call. Yeah please understand that we're trying and we're not being difficult, but we have explained this to you in so many different forms. Would you like me to come in and talk to you about it again? And I just, those situations I've tried over the years so many times to to work out a better system. Mm. If clients are struggling to understand, it's still something that I struggle with every day. Um, I, I did a workshop years ago where they basically were, talking about how you digest information, whether you're a visual person. And for mm-hmm. me I'm very visual. That's yeah. probably why I like a paper diary because it's written there in front of me. Whether you take it better by listening, yeah. um, you know, whether you digest in your own time, um, all these different ways. So I try and work out what yeah. the client is at that time, you know, at the start of a contract or at the start of meeting them, and then try and work to them. And that's hard because I'm such a visual person. So when it's explained to me or written and drawn. I'm really good with that so me having to to go the other way for a client is like retraining yeah. myself to, to go that way so that's quite difficult but it's I mean it's a, probably a concern that or a problem I feel a like maybe have.
0: sometimes clients don't know how they digest information the best either no. and they've been asked to get it in a certain way which like, you then go and do we, but yeah. they can't they're not getting it
1: we send um, really beautiful content plans to all our clients on, you know, designed and sent in an attachments mm. got images and captions and, and everything like that. Same with advertising plans. And then we've got clients that don't have laptops. So suddenly I know it's outrageous. Well like they own if they own restaurants or whatever it is, like they've got people that obviously do all of their ordering and everything for them yeah. and they're kind of trying to operate on their phone, on email.
0: Oh my um, laptop.
1: Okay, I'm sure they have one. Oh. I'm sure they're just buried away. Um, yeah. They're trying to look at something that's quite visual on a, a screen this yeah, big. On a small screen. They, they don't get it and they don't understand it and they just ignore it or then they come back with feedback that's not relevant. So I think it's just trying to understand yeah. how they operate as well, like whether that's just we need to take the printed out, which is so yeah, awesome, or, or let's come, walk in we'll with, go with it, it. Like let's go in and t- yeah. through it together and you can see it bigger. So that trying to find where everyone mm-hmm. sits and that's the same with staff I've got um yeah. an amazing designer and he prints everything out so yeah. and he prints and he sits it beside him and he, he he's visual so yeah. he's consumed, and we'll make notes on make the, the printouts yeah and then I've got girls that just everything is digital like they don't have paper yeah so I'm just kind of sit between both like I have yeah. everything but I still write stuff
0: down yeah what's your most important life lesson so far I look after your health if mm-hmm. anything um
1: definitely not think me thinking that I was super healthy well not super healthy like I still drink a glass of wine and mm. eat a burger and don't go to the gym for two weeks like I'm under no illusions normal of being person. like a fit free. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm normal um that was my life before I got sick and then i had cancer and I, I didn't do anything to get cancer. I didn't yeah. smoke. I wasn't obese. Like um, you know, there are so many things that I could have probably done to get that type of cancer, but I just had it and I was unlucky, I yeah. guess. Um, but it wasn't necessarily about changing something beforehand, but it was about looking after myself afterwards. Um, and we, my husband and I, both changed our diet quite dramatically mm-hmm. afterwards. We ate a lot more plant based food now we try not to eat as much meat meat and dairy and we still eat it we're not you know under any illusion Mm. of living a plant-based life
0: um but you're trying to we
1: have your best yeah we we use a lot more natural and organic stuff in the house in terms of cleaning products because that's around us all the time so there are a lot of things that we've tried to take into consideration when we're just everyday life Mm. without stripping our life back too much um but I'm just so conscious of keeping healthy now. Like when I found out I was pregnant with with Henley, um, I really invested, started investing in my skin, started walking for mental health. I started getting all the right vitamins into me. I got tested for all of that kind of stuff. So I went to the doctor and said, "What am I? What's my blood in. and vitamins like?" You know, at the time I got pregnant, I was lacking a little bit of vitamin D and yeah. B12. At the time I had Henley, I was severely lacking in iron because. That, pregnancy takes yeah. it from me so I'm keeping abreast of all of all of that mm. kind of stuff and just trying to be as healthy as possible yeah. I'm not a size zero um we still eat all the meat and stuff whenever we feel like mm. it we still drink every now and then like there's you know we've we've got a really normal life but we're so much more aware of it
0: now because of when you got sick before that were you just kind of
1: oh before that I was like didn't I'd, you really I'd think go about, to brunch yeah um, what I'd you double were brunch i didn't you know junk the next yeah. day I drink coffee sometimes I wouldn't have enough water like I just didn't care for myself I didn't actually know what I was putting in either yeah um also how it affects you in terms of your just daily um energy levels like I feel a lot better and have a lot more energy now yeah. we eat a lot better as well um but the, yeah just I think just take off, take care of your health there's that saying I'm sure it's like uh, health is wealth that one was that another one um it's your body is the only house
0: oh yeah it's the only house you'll ever live in forever yeah. or something yeah yeah I'm so guilty of that I just I'm like well once I've got that thing out the way then I'll start being healthy like it's always it's never a priority and it should be yeah. I don't know why we do that
1: do you know what I listened to one of the one of the podcasts from ages ago that I, I was listening to and it kind of Relates back to what all these successful women said. They mm-hmm. said, "Start your day right, and the rest will fall into yeah. place." And just after Christmas, um, it was beautiful weather in in Dubai, and I remember thinking, "You know what? I'm going to go for a walk tomorrow morning." And I got up at five thirty and
0: mm-hmm.
1: went for a walk. It was only sort of three k's. It took me about forty five minutes, and I came home and I made a smoothie and to my vitamins and Mm. my day was so much better so i continued doing that throughout the whole rest of my pregnancy and i still do that now um first couple weeks after henley obviously i was at home recovering yeah um but just getting out and walking walking i don't you don't have to run you don't have to do like mad exercise but just clearing your mind i was listening to podcasts while i was walking and that was just amazing to hear all these other inspirational people talking and then I'd go home and make myself a smoothie that had everything in it yeah just start you know take my vitamins and just know that my day had if anything I'd done that hour of the day and that's also time for myself although I walked with Hudson a few times obviously if he was awake I'd take him in the buggy but and I'd probably take Henley now because she's awake at that hour Mm. but like I had that time as well to just yeah not talk to anyone in that hour of the morning and
0: and not do that like I went through a phase of I'd open my eyes and the first thing i do is look at my phone. I still do And that. then it starts. <laughs> I'm guilty. So then like you spend 10 minutes in bed replying to things that you think are really urgent. Yeah. And then the first hour of your day, like you're already stressed. You're already like, oh my God, I've got to do this. Uh, I've got to do a million things. Uh, and that's not how you should start your day. I've got I better at that. I but. still haven't managed to kick that. Like I'll look at my phone, I'll check my
1: WhatsApps first, my emails, I'll check Instagram, I'll check Facebook. And then I'm like okay, that's done, and I'll I'll carry on, but I need to, that that needs to go, that's something that's probably like, it's really draining, that's probably like a habit breaker though, like you need 21 days to to
0: cut that out, yeah, yeah, next, I try, I try, but now it's more like, I'll give myself 10 minutes, have a coffee, but then I'm checking, so it's not like I'm doing a whole hour, and I go on a nice walk, and I, but I try not to do it the minute I open my eyes, yeah, then it depends what you've got on at the time, that's a thing, if you could give your eighteen-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: Oh, there are many, many, many pieces <laughs> of advice that I would give my eighteen-year-old self. Uh, travel more, so start traveling earlier. Um, I didn't really travel until I was twenty-four. Like yeah. I went to a couple of places in Asia, but nothing. Um, travel more. Uh, learn, like uh, not necessarily uni either. And I'm a big advocate of. Uni isn't a mold that everyone fits. Yeah, I didn't go to uni. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that it's for everyone. Um, but you can still learn no matter what you do. You can read. You can research. You can listen mm. to other people. You can traveling is learning. I think as well. Learn, travel, learn, um, and just go for it. Mm. Like I, I, as I was saying before, like I kind of wish I'd started my business earlier because you know. It, i'd be a lot more ahead of where i am today yeah. which is that's probably just an unachievable thing anyway that i think that i you know i think i would be here but i would have liked to have started a little yeah. earlier um otherwise i mean don't drink a liter of tequila and expect that you're <laughs> not going to pass out in a field <laughs> it's probably one other thing you um, gotta go through those things <laughs> i mean i'm you? learning that's part yeah. of learning um but no as Travel and learn. Mm. Learn as much as you can and see as much as you can. Yeah. They're probably my two main pieces of advice.
0: Okay, Chloe, your last question. What do you know for sure?
1: Tomorrow will always be there. Mm. If today's bad, if it's crap, if something's happened, if, you know, you're having a really tough day, mm. 99% chance that tomorrow will always be there so you can start afresh. And it'll be better. And it'll be better if you make it better. Mm. Yeah it's probably i mean if ever i have a bad day i'm always like you know what tomorrow's a new day yeah i can start again refresh and that's i mean that's a given
0: yeah hopefully don't let it overwhelm you yeah chloe thank you so much for being my life school guinea pig and giving me your time today i know you're very busy running an empire and having two little ones um so thank you so much for being open and honest and sharing your story with us thank you no problems thanks If you would like to check out Chloe's business, Fox and Hound Communications, then visit www.foxandhoundpr.com or give them a follow on Instagram at foxandhound underscore comms. And to find out who my guests will be on the next episode of Life School, follow us on Instagram at LifeSchoolME, where you can keep up to date with all our news and find information on all our amazing guests. Thank you for listening to Life School, conversations to inspire action.